Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Raise Your Profile. Today I have someone very special with me. Her name is Carrie Griffiths and she's a singer and a vocal coach. And I'm, by the way, I'm super conscious of my voice right now and I'm trying to do my best, <laughs> but I know, I know I need a lot of coaching. So let's see what Carrie shares with us today. So Carrie's been a singer for 20 years. Uh, she'll share with us her story in a moment. And she's been a vocal coach for a number of years as well. So welcome, Carrie. Thank you so much, Daya. Thank you. Your voice sounds fine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but we're, we're all learning, right? <laughs> I'm super conscious, honestly, especially when people can't hear me, especially because I've shared this before. I literally didn't speak for the first years of my life. So I think my voice was just lost somewhere and it's still trying to come out fully. But Carrie, tell us um, your story. So how did you become a singer? I know you have a fascinating story. So how did you become a singer in the first place? How did you get to choose this career path? Okay, well, it, it, well, it, it kind of happened by accident, but, but not. So I, wasn't, I was a dancer when I was a kid. I really wanted to be a dancer. My mum was a singer um, and her dad before her had been a singer, but it was never really in my, my thoughts to become a singer. I really wanted to be a dancer. Um, but I didn't really go down that path. I didn't take um, traditional or official dance lessons and that kind of stuff. It didn't really happen in my life. But I used to do a lot of talent shows, dance competitions, and I used to do a lot of shows in my local area and at school. I went to boarding school. So I was always the one out singing and dancing out in the fields or doing a show on a Sunday evening to the other girls in the house um, or at youth club if people, you know, if there, if there was something going on to do with putting on a show, I was always there, but it wasn't about the singing. So I used to sing along with my dancing just because, because it kind of went hand in hand. It was more about the dancing. And then when I left school, it, uh, it kind of went by the wayside. You know, I, I started going out partying. I got really into watching music. I started going to a lot of gigs. I went to gigs probably three or four times on average three or four times a week i was going to a lot of gigs and in those days in london there were hundreds of gigs to choose from um, and being really into the punk and metal scene singing wasn't really a thing for me anyway fast forward a few years i was married with a six-month-old baby my, my daughter but one child and um, I was really miserable. I was working in a casino. I was earning really good money. I'd bought my house, a really lovely house, nice big garden. We had a car, we could buy anything we wanted, but I was completely miserable. I just liked, I didn't want to go to work. I didn't care about losing the money from not going to work. I was, I was really in a mess. And so I read this book by Louisa Hay and I've never been able to find the book since. I lent it to somebody, well, I kind of gave it to them, lent it indefinitely. And it was called Change Your Life in, I think it was called Change Your Life in Seven Days, or it might have been Change Your Life in Seven Steps. And I really took this stuff on board because I, I had to make a decision. I was really, really in a mess. And one of the steps said, do what you love. And I it took me a, a while, a good few weeks. I was really thinking, what is it that I want to do? I don't want to work in a casino. I was living in a horrible little town out in, um, sorry, Barbara. I was living in a horrible little town out in Kent, which is called Gillingham. Barbara will know it. She doesn't live there, but you know, <laughs> but um, if you know of it, you, it wasn't really back in 2000, the year 2000, it was really not a nice place to live. Didn't want to live there anymore. Didn't want to do my job. Didn't really want to be married. My marriage wasn't going very well. 
However, the irony is that for Christmas, my husband had bought me singing lessons. Now, to this yep. day, <laughs> to this day, I don't know whether he bought me singing lessons because I was good or because I was absolutely terrible and, and I just needed to do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but by this point, I had been taking singing lessons for about 14 months. And my daughter was six months old and I made this decision, I'm going to make singing my life. I just woke up one day and I said, right, that's it. I'm going to be a singer and I'm going to make singing and music my life. And so it was really dramatic. I ended up, I left my husband, left my marriage, left my house, came back to London and I started pursuing singing and I've never looked back. That's amazing. <laughs> I think <laughs> I left my job. <laughs> yeah. So I, le I literally left everything behind. Left, yeah, That's everything. amazing. But you just knew that was your thing and that, that yeah. was not looking back. You're absolutely convinced. Yeah. What and happened next? So I had to, there was, I, I had to make it work because I had nothing. I'd left my husband. I'd left my house. I'd left my job. I had nothing to go back to. Um, fortunately, my mum let me come and stay with her in London. Um, and so what, what happened was I was doing lots of different auditions. Um, I did the, I, you know, I did the kind of, oh, I can't remember what it was called in those days, but it was like the X Factor type thing. And there were lots of those auditions that weren't on TV at the time. Mm -hmm. So I did lots and lots of competitions. I, uh, I was in lots of bands. I did lots of session stuff. That, so I did lots of sessions. Is that um, just to join a band or what, what for? Um, auditions for um, like session work. Okay. Um, backing vocalists for different artists and there were some I did some auditions for like girl bands as well like R&B type girl bands that were really big at that time <laughs> luckily I didn't get any of them <laughs> that sounds very different from metal and punk <laughs> yeah I just wanted to sing and I did a lot of amateur theatre show musical theatre shows I joined and I joined lots of bands but I did a lot of session recording and one day I was just sitting in a pub in Fulham with my cousin and a guy came in and I didn't know who he was, but he puts on a lot of events around the West London area and mainly in Fulham. And he was talking about the fact that he was looking for singers for this event that was coming up. And my cousin, who was also kind of a singer at the time, she said, oh, we're singers. And he gave us that look as if to say, oh yeah, of course you are. <laughs> and so he said, all right, then sing. So I started singing and that was it. He said, right, you're in. And so those were free events and I did those for years. I did those events for years and years and years. And if he, when he puts on events now, sometimes I'll just go and do it, you know, just for, just to say thank you. Because he was the first person that gave me a gig. I couldn't get a, a live gig. I was doing recording sessions for not very much money. I was building my reputation, um, but I could not get a gig. And this guy was the first guy who gave me a gig. Um, and so he's in my book actually, but um, yeah, so now I, just to say thank you, I still gig for him every now and then, not, not very often, because I've stopped performing. Um, so how do I cut a long story short? What uh, <laughs> album, maybe the number one album could do it. <laughs> well, yeah, so, okay, so we'll fast, we'll fast forward. Um, I, got a good, I got a good reputation, I was always reliable. I did lots of different types of bands and I was gigging with, um, a guy who, I don't know if you ever, if you know of a band called, called the Blockheads, Ian Jury and the Blockheads, they were really big in the 70s and 80s. They're like a very British band. Okay. But their 
their keyboard player was also in The Clash. He did, an, he did wrote and, and did an album with The Clash. And I was in a band with his two sons. And we were gigging around, doing lots of really, really big gigs actually. And one of the bands that we supported, on, they, were, they were headlining, uh, we supported them and they were called Buster Shuffle, they were a ska band. And it just so happened that they'd been looking for backing singers at the time. And I had the right, being into the skinhead and punk scene, so punk metal skinhead scene as well, I had the right hairdo, I was wearing Fred Perry's, I, I had the right look mm -hmm. and I knew the music. And so basically they poached me and my friends who were, <laughs> I was lead singer actually in the band that they poached me from and I became backing singer in Buster Shuffle. And so we did lots and lots and lots of touring and our, our second album went to number one which was really, really exciting. Ooh. We had no idea. We, we just, we got to Germany and went on stage with a, there's a guy called, a really, really big reggae guy called Lee Scratch Perry. And we were co-headlining co with him. We had started off low in the, um, in the, in the lineup. So we were supposed to be on at about two o'clock in the afternoon. And they kept pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back. And then by the time we got to the actual gig, it was a big, big festival. They said, right, you're co-headlining with Lee Scratch Perry, which was amazing. I mean, he's like the number, I don't, he's a massive guy in reggae. If you're into reggae, you'll know who he is. So he's like Bob Marley, Lee Scratch Perry, Prince Buster, all these guys. So that was massive for us. And then as we were going on stage, someone said, oh, you know you're number one, don't you? And we were like, what? How, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> it was really strange. And um, yeah, so that was kind of a turning point in our career. And after that, it, it just really took off. Wow. When was that? Which year was that in? Oh, goodness. 2014. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Six years ago. Yeah. That's yes. And yeah, not really long ago at all. Wow, and what happened next? Did you stay with that band for a few more years and then you transitioned to coaching? What's the um, well, end of that story? I was, already I was already teaching at that time um, okay. in different places. So I'd started teaching in youth clubs way, way, way back in 2004, just to help out. You know, I, I'd heard some, that some kids needed some help and I, they were kind of, they were at risk of offending. Mm -hmm. So I worked with like quite challenging kids for a few years um, and then I went into private coaching, then I stopped and, you know, and it was kind of on and off over the years, depending on how busy I was. But um, in Buster Shuffle, I did a little bit of coaching and then I went and did my degree. I was doing my degree and I got my PGCE. And then I went into teaching, you know, as a qualified teacher in further education colleges, in training organizations, I worked with people with mental health. I worked with ex-offenders, young offenders, unaccompanied minors, uh, children, anyone. <laughs> just, I just did lots and lots and lots of different, different teaching because I just wanted to help so many people. And it was really good to get to, to integrate with lots of different types of people as well. That's really cool. So what was your favorite out of all of these teaching types and people you work wow. with? Uh, that's a really good question. My favourite was actually down in Lewisham with the ex-offenders. Okay, I knew yeah. it. I had a feeling for some reason. <laughs> it just sounds like a really interesting job, that's why. Yeah, I mean, they've got so, they've so many different walks of life and so many personal challenges that they have and helping them to overcome that through music is just really, really rewarding. 
And have you, you, I bet you've seen the results, you've seen them transform through music. Exactly, yeah. So it, it's just such, such a perfect outlet, lyric writing, um, being creative, um, being significant without having to, because in a lot of them in their lives, turning to crime was a way of becoming significant. So yeah. getting up and performing in front of people was a more positive way to get significance for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. So would they, you would teach them and they would perform in front of other people in that community or whatever it is. Yeah, so we do yeah. recordings, we do collaborations with other organisations, go and visit other organisations and, and students from um, musicians from other organisations would visit us and there'd be some, some community performances and some in-house performances. And the ones who were good, you know, we'd, we'd give the, get them into contact with producers and uh, industry experts. Wow, and give them a life basically, a yeah. way of life. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So, okay, so we're here today to talk mostly about well-being or singing through well-being. So that's a great way into the topic. Um, and I can, even I can, I mean, I can sing to save my life, as you know, but <laughs> I, I really wish I will some, someday. And I would definitely take your course one day. Um, but even now, if I start singing my head like a song I like or whatever, I immediately feel better. So I can definitely see how, you know, how singing can improve our well-being in the moment at least, and probably in the long term. So what, what do you think about that? I mean, how does singing improve well-being? Well, for for me, it's it's just all um, it's always been an outlet, even when it wasn't my career, my career, even when it went along with dancing. But the actual activity of singing is you have to breathe, uh, you have to take in more breath. The breath is more controlled. Even if we find it difficult, if you're not, if you haven't been trained, if you find it difficult to control your breath, it, it is more controlled naturally anyway. So the act of taking in that breath, of singing a song that you like, because you, you don't usually sing songs that you don't like, right? Sure. <laughs> so, and then those songs that you like usually are attached to a really nice memory. So all of that, just naturally enhances your state in the moment. And then the more that you do it, the more that you become, um, become more relaxed, especially if you tra train your voice. I'm not gonna go into too much of that now, but you know, natural singing, just um, a, a, you tend to stand differently or sit differently wherever you are. Even if you see someone on the bus, just even listening to music, they're, you know, they're jamming and there's something good going on. So you're moving. You're moving. Yeah. yeah you're dancing moving mm -hmm. um so there's there's a lot of different um um different things as well so also the the fact of looking if you become serious and you start looking after your voice then the fact that you're looking after your voice naturally then means that you're looking after the rest of your well-being staying hydrated as i always always say that's my thing right stay hydrated <laughs> But that, that, yep. So, but that just doesn't mean drinking water. It also means not taking in too much caffeine, not having too much sugar. Um, really, really taking taking on board what it is you're putting inside your body: processed food, salt, and that will naturally just enhance your your state, your well being, your sleep better. Um, and so, it's integrated with the rest of your health. Mm -hmm. 
So who do you work with at the moment? It's, I know it's singers and speakers and basically anybody who wants to work on their voice, right? As soon as I start saying that, I become so conscious. <laughs> Definitely. You have the exercises. <laughs> I do have your exercises, yes. By the way, Karen, I have done a little bit of work together, uh, but I do need more work <clears throat> and to stay hydrated as I can already hear it. Um, so you work at the moment with anyone who wants to, who needs to use their voice or who wants to improve their voice before speaking, singing, or whatever it may be. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I work with singers who are really serious about singing and want to come professional. I've done a lot of work for fun, you know, people who want to sing for fun and, and for therapy therapy but my voice training I work with professional singers and I have my singing for well-being courses that but they're not courses sessions that I run for people who just want to release some stress have some fun bond with other people um, and and you singing it as as a form of light therapy um, and also for, for speakers, coaches, educators, professional speakers, um, trainers, and people who create courses who are using their voices a lot, especially at the moment on Zoom, who want to be able to speak for longer or want to be able to project their voices, use more dynamics, um, which also helps to build relationships as well. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, at the moment, we're not allowed to touch each other. Most of our meetings are on Zoom calls, video calls. And so, you know, I've been saying for the whole of lockdown, our voices are our new handshake. So I'm really on a mission to get people to really start respecting their voices a little bit more. It's part of your body, you know. What happens, we, we don't think, usually think about our voices until it's gone. And by then it's too late, but there's so much that you can do before it gets to that point. So I'm really passionate about, about helping people to understand how the voice can really, um, is an, an integral part of your being. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting really passionate. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it's true. We don't think about it until it's gone, until we've overused it so much that it's gone. And I think you're absolutely right. There's so many business owners now that transitioning to Zoom calls or to, um, uh, yeah, courses, online courses, there's so much of that going on. And for all of that, you need to use, we need to use our voice. And we don't realize that it will, if you don't care, take care of it, we will, I don't know, wear out or what, what's, the, what's the right term? It will- Well, it, it causes trauma. So, uh, <laughs> right. so our voice, our vocal folds are really really tiny mm -hmm. and um and they kind of they move they move together as we can you see move together as we as we talk and as we use our voices and if we're not controlling it properly then they they bang together literally mm -hmm. and then they get inflamed um if they become dehydrated they become inflamed so there's less space for them to move and they bang together and it causes trauma so it's all about releasing the stress taking moving the vibration away from this area and either moving it downwards or upwards so that there's no strain around our vocal cords and we can just use them on and 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 on <laughs> oh that's really good so what are some tips other than this one which is really good explanation of how the vocal cords are and work what are some can you give us some tips now yes yeah. definitely yeah so, so we are uh, not <laughs> <laughs> yes 
<laughs> you'll be fine. So yeah, of course, um, I can't stress enough, stay hydrated, okay? Alcohol dehydrates the voice, caffeine dehydrates the voice, sugar, salt, processed foods, preservatives, excellent, love it. I just love seeing people with glasses of water, it warms my heart. <laughs> I should start my own water, water company. <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> um, I can, and also, um, um, drink, replace your, replace, replace coffee, your coffee and tea with like herbal teas. Use honey instead of sugar. Even agave nectar. I've started using agave nectar in the past month or so. And I've noticed a difference in my voice when I sing. What it's are you using? Agave nectar. Okay. Yeah, I can I can put it I can put it in the chat at, at some point. Um, and it's more expensive than sugar, but it's so much it's so natural and it doesn't um, it doesn't play with your voice. It doesn't um, harm your voice. Honey is good for the voice. It's a soother. Lemon, ginger, turmeric. This is what I tell people all the time. Honey, lemon, ginger, turmeric. They all have different properties which help to actually enhance your voice, which not many um, ingredients do. That's really good. What else? What about, um, so obviously these are great physical ways we can, you know, hydration and tea, herbal tea, etc. What else can we do to make our voice stronger or project better? For okay, a really simple thing that we can do is uh, it's not so much about projection, but it's more about relaxing so that there's not so much tension in the body because all of pretty much all of the issues that we have comes from tension somewhere. So sitting up straight, having a good posture, and I'm not going to talk about breathing into the diaphragm because that doesn't really mean anything to people who are not training. But if when you breathe naturally, don't try to breathe deeply, just let the body do its work and just notice what happens, your body expanding and contracting. Mm -hmm. And that will naturally help you to relax. Okay. And to, to project the voice, it is about um, using the different registers. We've got four different registers. Um, I won't go into that too much, but using the registers correctly and using the resonance correctly so that there's no pressure here. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all moved, all of the air, air pressure is moved either up or down. So either up or down is fine. I, it's not just, it doesn't have to be from the diaphragm or somewhere in that area. It, I, I don't teach it that way. It becomes far right. too, too complicated. I just say, just, just breathe, let the body do its work. I have some breathing exercises. I can give you the links afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, reson, the resonance takes a bit more time, but if you just start with breathing properly, then you're already gonna be more relaxed. That's really good. Okay. Okay, Carrie, thanks very much for this. That was really good. Is there anything else you want to share? And then also if people want to work with you, how should they contact you? Yeah. Um, so there, there was a couple of things. It's just, just to say that, you know, a voice is a real, um, can indicate our state. So people can say, oh, you sound nervous. Oh, you, she sounds confident. He sounds confident. They sound well balanced. They sound a bit scary. And <laughs> so true. We don't think about that, but it's so true. Yeah. And it's just to have more awareness of, of how your voice sounds, how it reflects you, how it uh, represents you, um, and how we can, how we can use it to really as an integral part of our overall health. 
Um, so yeah, if, if anyone wants to work with me and get in touch, um, there's my business page on Facebook, which is Carrie Griffiths. It's the one with a, a Union Jack in the background. <laughs> or you can email me info at carrie-griffiths.co.uk. Okay, and this is for anyone who wants to sing professionally, or for just for well-being, or just wants to speak, or wants to work in their voice for whatever reason it may be. Yeah, exactly. And the, the first thing that I would suggest is to join the Facebook group, um, Project Your Voice. Project Your Voice. Yeah, so there are exercises in there. I go live every Wednesday with free training. Um, so anyone can join, well, any answer the questions <laughs> and anyone can join. The, the caveat is that you need, really want, I really want people who are serious about, uh, about enhancing their voices and, in, and enhancing their well-being through voice. Sure, makes sense. Of course, so if you pass, you'll be in the group. Okay, Kerry, thanks so much for today. That was really welcome. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening.